Hi everyone and welcome to the Digitize Diaries, your one-stop conversational platform for frank and open communication around the digitization process. Each episode we deep dive into examples, experience and learnings from experts in the field as well as expanding on our own journey so far. A safe environment to discuss the future of commerce and the role technology will play in it for your business. Now let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello everybody and a very warm welcome to this episode which is episode six of the Digitized Diaries here. Um, a very well, a little bit of a delayed one in terms of we've had a little bit of a break. It's been half term. There's been stuff going on, but uh, I'm very happy to be back on this with my uh, co-host over there, Wayne Denner. Wayne, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Barry. Delighted to be back for another episode of the Digitize Diaries. And this is episode six and we've took a little bit of a break but we are back we are talking all things digital transformation and as you know and as i know barry this space is ever evolving i mean there is not a day goes by where there's not something new happening some form of transformation some form of advance in technology and it's such an exciting time right now. It is, it is. It's uh, it's really moving at a, an incredible uh, pace, I suppose. It's something that we at the Digitized Diaries uh, want to focus on based on what we are doing with uh, our product called CoBabble uh, out there because it's all about helping businesses to digitize, to automate, to streamline, to optimize uh, by using technology. Uh, but I think uh, as the title suggests on uh, on this episode the other side of ai we've talked a lot about some of the tools that have been coming out over the last five episodes one that's obviously been dominating the headlines has been ChatGPT and ChatGPT4. And we're going to be talking about that today because whilst, uh, and you know, you and I were talking about this before we went live, is that we are obviously very pro-technology. We are advocates for how it can help, but we're also not so um, blinded by what we're doing that we're not looking outside of our lane, as it were. And as with everything that we do, we want to look at all of the scenarios that are happening, the evidence that's out there. And so whilst we know how important and how how effective it can be to use technology to, to help in certain areas of your business. We also have to consider the other side where it can potentially cause a couple of issues. And so this, this episode, we're going to focus on some of the scenarios that we've seen that are cropping up in the, uh, in the, on social media, in the news across, uh, across the world. Um, as we as society sort of get used to or, or become more aware of what's going on, uh, we, we grasp it with both hands in some cases. Some people are pushing away very, very quickly as well. But um, there's some things going on <laughs> with, uh, with this technology that uh, we think people should be aware of. And that's what we wanted to have a chat about today. And that's the whole idea behind this podcast. It's about having conversations. It's a safe space for people to come on, share their thoughts, share their inputs on some of the things that they're experiencing maybe within their business. And over the past couple of episodes, Barry, we've chatted about some great examples of technology being used to help with efficiencies uh, to help streamline processes within companies and organizations. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to go through some of the examples um, that we've seen in the past couple of weeks and some things for people to be aware of because we are very much talking about the other side of AI today. And we're going out across 
all of the social media platforms today. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you're watching this on LinkedIn this afternoon, um, this morning, still this afternoon with me now, uh, this afternoon with you, Barry, in the UAE, if you have a question, uh, if there's something you want to share with us, make sure you pop it into the chat uh, and let us know. Um, we're always delighted to hear from people who are following along with us on this journey, who are picking up on the podcast indeed over on iTunes. And if there's something that you would like me and Barry to touch on, cover, or indeed, if you'd like to come on as a guest on the podcast, we're always on the lookout for interesting people who are working in the digital transformation space. If you're a small business, a large business, if you're involved in a piece of digital transformation or a program within your business or your organization, do let us know what it is because we're here to learn as well, Barry. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, as you said, we do, do not profess to know everything about this. Uh, we've got a good insight based on the work we've done uh, with, with CoBabble. But as you mentioned there, it's about having these conversations. As with any change, it's it's difficult for, for people to grasp this. It links in with some of the work that we do with schools and children and mums and dads when it comes to staying safer in the online space. There's a lot of resistance to change. Um, there's also a little bit of... Um, ego uh, death, I suppose, is what we need to call it when, uh, as a parent, you know, both of us are parents, we we have to set aside the fact that we don't know everything. And especially in, in the cyber safety space, and now in the digitization space, that there's so much happening, there's so many changes going on, it's happening so quickly, it's really difficult to stay abreast of what's going on. Um, so from a cyber safety perspective, we, we work on there, but also when it comes to digitization, uh, it's interesting because obviously we're involved in that area. We hear about these things, but I always find it quite interesting when I'm talking to um, other people in different businesses that aren't so reliant on technology. And, you know, our target audience for CoBabble, for example, are, are businesses that have stayed a little bit more traditional, as it were, not using technology as much. And so when we start talking about certain things, um, you start to realize that there's a lot of people out there that are just not that interested, uh, not aware that it's happening. Um, and perhaps most importantly, not not fully cognizant of how much of a difference it could make in their business, uh, especially when you think about some of the processes, some of the administration, administratively heavy processes that companies have, the reliance on paper, uh, and uh, some of these things can be removed from, from the, the situation. And then you fast forward into the realms of chat GPT and GPT-4 in terms of how it can help with content creation, how it can help with, uh, we've seeing about the, the, um, images that are being produced now uh, with uh, is it Blue Willow is one of them and uh, a couple of the other ones that uh, one of the headlines was that um, food photographers are about to have to retrain because uh, they're, they're in high demand at the moment to be able to take these great quality photos of food for, for restaurants, for, for um, hotels and whatnot. And now the, the likes of AI are coming in and saying, oh, if you put the right prompt in, and generate a thousand of these for you in 10 seconds. And, uh, and it doesn't need, you know, if you need it to be steaming hot, fine. We don't need to have a steaming hot dish there. It can just produce it. And it's really fascinating because people say, oh, no, that's, that's no good. I don't like that, especially if you're a food photographer. You could understand why that would be the case. But it's also for, I think, our wider audiences to be able to understand that it's happening. It's not that it's coming, it is here uh, and it's happening right now. And that's where these conversations we feel hopefully are really important because we can share what little we know, but then we get to talk to people who know a little bit more and then 
kind of sometimes blows our minds as well because you're like, oh, wow, that's already happening. And we weren't aware of it. And then I think you and I both take on that mantle of knowledge disseminator, educator, and then we we go off and start talking to other people about it and saying, well, you know, these are some of the things that could be done. Uh, and that's how, how hopefully the Digitized Diaries can make a, a positive impact out there. Absolutely. And I think a lot of this is about experimentation. I think particularly now, um, more so than ever, because you've got the emergence of these new tools like, you know, ChatGPT, you mentioned ChatGPT4. Um, I'm over on TikTok at the moment, following a lot of people who are talking particularly about ChatGPT. I'm looking to learn more about it. I'm looking to learn more about the prompts in particular, because that's really important in relation to getting the correct output out of the 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 platform in the first instance. So if you don't know what prompts to use, then, you know, you're going to really struggle to get the correct um, output, the correct information that you need in order to uh, be able to use any of the content uh, that it's outputting. Um, but I watched a video this week, actually, on, on ChatGPT, where somebody was talking about, you know, how to automate the content creation side of things for mm -hmm. social media posts. And again, I thought it was fascinating and I decided to go and try it for myself. And I think that's really important for people to keep in mind. If you see something that you think, you know what, that's quite interesting. That could be useful for me in my business, particularly in around content creation. And the example was, um, you know, create 50 marketing quotes um, in ChatGPT. Uh, copy and paste them into a Google uh, Docs, not a Google Docs, uh, Google Form. Excel, Google Forms. Um, and then what you do then is you save that and you open up Canva, you choose a template in Canva, and then you connect uh, the, the Google Sheets, Google Sheets uh, to Canva, and then it will automatically generate up X amount of social media posts for you and automatically include each and every one of those quotes. Now, for me personally, you like it or you don't, that is a fantastic time-saving uh, exercise. It's it's amazing. It's awesome. And, and that's one of those really positive scenarios. You think, well, that has just saved hours, hours and hours and hours of searching for those quotes, copying and pasting them, putting them into figuring out Canva, if you don't know what Canva is, opening that up and balancing it all up and making it fit and then saving that one and then going and finding another one. And literally I've seen the same videos doing the rounds and, it, and it's fantastic. 10 seconds later, you've got a, you know, 52 yeah. weeks worth of, of social media content or, you know, give the prompt to create 365. You've got daily posts for social media around motivational, how to, you know, start your business kind of thing or whatever it is. It could be it, it, any subject can fit into that mold. And, and I think that's where we see the massive upside, whether you like it or not, that the, there's a massive upside in terms of the, the time saving there. Um, but again, we don't want to appear to be one-sided in this in this sort of scenario and say how oh, we're massive advocates look at this it's so positive because there are things that we need to be aware of and even that case around content creation we've i think we said it maybe one or two episodes ago that you still have to be careful you, you know you can't just go in there and tell it to create certain things and then take whatever it spits out as red and copy and paste it and put it out there. Cause we've already seen situations, you know, school children are telling it to write its essays and it's writing the essay and the kids go, yep, copy, paste, sit, submit to teacher. Well, well done. 1500 words on this subject. Um, incredible. But you, you, you've got to read through it still and you've got to look at it and say, okay, that doesn't actually make sense. And this bit isn't quite what I wanted to, but 
again, if you're doing that, then you're saving time by getting that initial block done. And then you put your work in. And so you still put your work in, but the time saving to get that initial structure in place, invaluable, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it fascinates me in relation to the the, the, the different uses for a tool like ChatGPT. And I think that's an important thing to emphasize today. This is a tool. It's not designed to replace. And mm. you, you get these debates with people, uh, particularly on social media platforms where, you know, some are pro, some are against, um, you know, is it going to replace all of those things? And we kind of touched on some of those things over the past couple of weeks in the episodes. But what we're going to talk about is some of these sort of other sides of all of this today. And I want to just say uh, hello to a few people who are joining us live today. I want to say hello to Martin Gilchrist. Uh, Martin, great to see you here today. Uh, thank you for the nice message. Uh, I do want to wish you a happy Easter. Um, Kieran, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Kieran's uh, mentioning great to look how ChatGPT can save time and need uh, agree, need to be more aware of its limitations. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And somebody has asked a question, Barry, about um, AI tools within gaming in particular. And this is something in relation to our online safety work, a platform like Discord, for example, um, I can potentially see some benefits of the use of AI tools within very unmoderated spaces online. And Discord is a good example of that, where the moderation effectively is left to the users um, to moderate or to self-moderate the platform on Discord in particular. So maybe a tool or an AI tool may be able to help support that moderation and just make sure that, you know, it's, you know, people who are using the platform are having a, a safe experience as possible, but maybe that that tool then might be able to pick up on some issues or concerns uh, that might be taking place that the human, depending on the human's view, uh, you know, and we all have different views, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's inappropriate to you may not be inappropriate to another person. But if you have that AI tool there, which may help then with that process, I can see some positive uses, particularly on those unmoderated platforms. Definitely, definitely. I was going to say the same thing that where, where moderation comes in or where the human element on all of these platforms, not just on Discord, but on all of the, the gaming platforms uh, and all of even on Twitch and these other areas, if that if we can set specific parameters where the machine can understand these other parameters, then it takes out the human emotion or interpretation of that. And so especially from a cyberbullying pre prevention perspective is that certain language is not allowed, certain nuance within, you know, calling people certain things or even to the point where from an AI and a machine learning perspective, it can start to understand the uh, the way that, okay, if, if a predator was to ask something outright using a specific language, it would pick up on that. But as we know, from a predatory perspective, they'll use a different language, but that word has an ulterior meaning. And in those environments, people would understand that, okay, that means I, I need to do that. And then how does the AI pick up on that? But I think that through time, the machine learning can pick up that, adds it into the library and then it becomes a much better enforcer of the rules um, than, than a, a human can be because it can be on all the time. And that's the, you know, the biggest struggle right now is when on any of these platforms you report something, there has to be a human that then looks at what happened, who said what, is it against the rules, is it against the community guidelines? And on a platform with X billion users, there's not enough people to do that. And that's where the AI could take over and say, well, I can process X million of these requests in a couple of seconds. So yeah, let's do it. 
And we're starting to also see examples in and around harmful content online in particular, where, you know, AI can help with that. So I think we're in a very interesting time at the moment where we're going to see absolutely, we're going to see some huge benefits with all of this. Completely agree. Um, but we're very much at the early stages of all of this as well. And as you know, and as I know, Barry, um, whenever these technologies come out, there will always be bad actors who will use them for inappropriate reasons. Yeah. There will be perpetrators who will use them. And we've already started to see some of that starting to filter through at the moment. And this is the other side of AI in relation to, okay, what do we need to be thinking about? What is currently happening across the world? And one example that I came across in the past couple of days, which was very interesting, is the first defamation case uh, in relation to ChatGPT or OpenAI, where a mayor in Australia, uh, actually outside Melbourne, uh, has sent a letter of concern to ChatGPT, giving them 28 days to fix um, an issue where this individual was falsely named on the platform. So from a reputation perspective, this is huge. Uh, we talk about online reputation and we talk about the impact of what people, people post on social media. But now we have the machine coming into the mix now where, you know, content, uh, you know, true or not, could starting to be impact individuals' reputation. And I thought that's a very interesting case that's live at the moment. And it's gonna be one that's gonna be very interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks in relation to what ChatGPT actually do and what safeguards they put in place to prevent these types of things from happening. Definitely, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and, and we'll keep an eye on that twenty eight day uh, time limit because it will be interesting to see what OpenAI come back with because it's not an isolated case. Uh, because in in looking at some of the other things that we were talking about, I found one that was out there that uh, the Chat GPT has been accused of lying, and uh, as you said, from a reputational perspective, we're we're having issues dealing with what's true and what's not from people. And uh, you know, the school children age that we go and talk to, one of the subjects is. How do you know what you're reading is true? If, you know, just because somebody has put it out there, is it true or is it not? And how can you interpret it that? Now we've got AI chucking their, you know, hand onto the table because like you, there's one, um, as a, a law professor, uh, he was effectively named by ChatGPT in a, a, a sexual harassment scandal that ChatGPT had created but named a real person as the perpetrator in this particular case. So it's a completely ma manufactured situation, but a real person, uh, what's his name? I'll just get it there. John, Professor Jonathan Turley um, is now having to deal with a fallout against his reputation that he's apparently involved in some sort of sexual harassment case, which he's not. And uh, it, it's you know it's completely fabricated by the uh, the machine, and so this is one of those things that we we want to to really talk about the case in Australia, this happening here in, in the in the the, U, um, the US and California, um, is that well how do we how do we manifest this or not manifest how do we manage it rather because it is to to a certain extent. It feeds into the other thing that came out this week that I saw, which was this letter um, that's been signed by 1,200 uh, developers, engineers, and so forth, and includes the likes of Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak on the signatories list, asking us, society, open AI people, to stop training uh 
LLMs at, at this point in time. And I think, uh, so I just want to get the actual ca- cases like, yes, yeah, so these um, large language models, stop training them because it could represent a profound change in the history of life on earth. <laughs> that, that's the wording of this letter that's gone out there. Uh, and those two cases that we've just been talking about, there are examples of what's happening and we haven't put in place the necessary parameters to manage those situations is really what 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 that letter is that open letter is saying that we we want to be able to embrace the technology but have we actually thought about some of the things that could happen because of the technology and as we've just evidenced no we haven't <laughs> because it's happening and we're now going to figure out or we're going to see what happens right in 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 Australia and also in the US and there's this huge rush, Barry, to be the first to market as well, you know, because if you if you if you sort of let the grass grow around you, then you know, you're gonna have other companies that, you know, get the product, get the platform out quicker, um, and and they then amass um huge profits, they amass huge amounts of information. Um, and you're right, those safeguards haven't been put in place. And we see uh over the past couple of weeks, I've just signed up for Google Bard, mm-hmm. which is Google's attempt now. given how long Google has been established. But it almost strikes me that Google was almost holding back just to see, you know, where the where, where the lay of the land was, so to speak, whenever, you know, ChatGPT launched. Um, there's a few others in the space now at the moment. Um, so I had a play around with Google Bard over the past couple of days. I must say, not as impressive as ChatGPT, uh, much more limited. Um, but I think that's only going to get better in time. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what safeguards, if any, are put in place. And somebody's just asked about the risks of AI being used to improve uh, social engineering by bad actors. And that's another huge concern at the moment as well. And I'm already seeing um, examples of that happening where, you know, ChatGPT can be used to create a phishing email, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we're, we're, we're starting to see, and again, that's what we mentioned at the top of this piece today, where, you know, any piece of technology that you find a fantastic use for in your business, in your personal life, in your company, your organization, you can bet your dollar that there's going to be a queue of bad actors out there looking for ways to use this to scam people. Uh, and that's the whole worrying side of all of this, I suppose, from from our perspective in the work that we do, we work at the cold face of online safety every day of the week, where students are experiencing issues online, where families are being victims of cybercrime. Um, I have three people in the past week have contacted me who've experienced an issue online where their social media account has been compromised. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the, in the next coming months. Definitely, yeah, and I think that all of these scenarios, and I, I'm not advocating for a, a a nanny state or a machine kind of uh, uh, what do you call it, Skynet, watching everything that we're doing, kind of things. But I do see that the the technology, again, at this point in time, programmed correctly, uh, and this is where the where it falls down in terms of its learning capabilities and who it's learning from. Because as was evidenced a good few years ago, I think Microsoft put out the, a Twitter bot, didn't they, um, that was that was AI effectively. And they said that it will learn from other users. 
And I think within two weeks, they had to shut it down because it effectively turned into a, a, a racist bigot uh, online because everything that was pushed its way was was down that route. And so it, it comes back to what you said there, that it's not necessarily the technology that's the issue. It's us. <laughs> it's people that are the issue. It's the the, the, the choices that we make uh, around using this technology. And, and I've seen it as well in our old space of the, the online marketing. There's so many people that have jumped on the AI. I'm a published author now because I'm teaching people how to use AI. And here's a, a recipe book of 100 um you know, prompts to use to get it to do X, Y, and Z, and it's only $5. And, and everybody's trying to make money off it whilst it's still a little bit of the world, world west. Uh, but that, again, is part of what we're trying to do here is to, to talk about those things and to, even if we don't understand it, at least be aware of it and then put that into your thought process and say, okay, well, maybe I could use it for this. And and also because it's it's it takes us looking at it a different way to then go, oh, there's another use for it. Actually, that's a really positive use for it. But always having the other side of our minds, oh, if I use it for this, which is a pretty, in my opinion, positive thing, can someone take that and flip it on its head and turn it into a negative? And the answer to that question is usually yes. And as you said, unfortunately, there's usually a queue of people out there willing to do that because that negative use is probably going to make money quickly because it's scamming people out of their money. It's going to build a community quickly because it's cheating the system slightly whilst there's a loophole. Um, but as we've been saying for many, many years, anywhere that you find a loophole in one of these scenarios, it's going to be shut down pretty quickly because the likes of OpenAI, of Google, of Microsoft, of these multi-billion dollar companies, they have people looking <laughs> for you making these uh, making these uh, attempts to sort of hack the system, as it were. Uh, and now with AI, I uh, would hazard a guess that more and more they are putting AI in charge of identifying those people who are going to try and break the system. And as was the old, old scenarios that, well, you know, hackers would go out there and say, well, I'm going to try and break the system because if I can break this system, they'll probably hire me. Uh, and that's still out there, you know, for those people that are on that side of the wall. So if I can break it, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to come knocking and say, hey, instead of breaking it, come and make it better from our side, if, if that's the better side. Again, we can get into a whole debate about <laughs> big industry and whatnot, but that's the situation that, that's going on there. And just to your point there, I think that there is definitely some merit to maybe Google sitting back a little bit and letting somebody else take the the, the, the full brunt of the, the beta testing, as it were, because that's really what it is, um, and, and seeing what happens. Because, um, as you say, not as impressive, and the tweet, did, and the, the social media did the rounds, the meme of, of asking Bard about the 12... 12 months and it started out in this like January, February, March. But then part of me says, was that on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's an interesting one when you think of Google's entry into the space um, and, and holding back and something I have noticed this week as well. I'm not sure if you've noticed it is, but ChatGPT have actually paused the ability for people to upgrade. Uh, so if you want to take out your subscription, which is $20 a month on ChatGPT, that is paused right now. So there's no way to upgrade. So that's an interesting uh, step there. So they're maybe trying to hold off on maybe trying to refine some of the issues, you know, before they open the door a little bit more to invite people in. Because I think when you go into that paid upgrade, then, you know, you're getting a better uh, level of response, I think. Um, you're also getting a faster service. Um, so the, the paid subscription model was always going to come, as we know, because these particular tools are very, very resource heavy and they cost a lot of money to run. 
Yeah, definitely. And there, there has to be a monetization in it at the end of the day. Otherwise, there's no point in, uh, you know, the likes of Microsoft investing hundreds, billions into it. There's going to be an outcome at the end of it for them that is uh, that is monetary-led. And uh, it's, it's interesting just to see where it goes. And that's why I think it's also one of the reasons why we decided to talk about these things today on this episode of the Digitized Diaries is to to try and take a little bit more of a rounded approach rather than just being fanboys of digitization, AI and, and technology, which we are. That, that, that's also to, to be there, but we're also taking a measured approach to what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're developing our own systems, you know, to help businesses is to try and leverage the best out of what's available and, and to consider how, how we bring things like chat gpt gpt4 all of the things that are happening out there into the 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 realm of what we're doing um for for the best outcome for every business that chooses to utilize it and and perhaps most importantly is to not have them end up being a case study that we talk about of how it goes wrong and uh, you know we we do that a lot with our work in schools is that we we tell stories of how things go devastatingly wrong sometimes and I, I even say this in some of my sessions to say I don't want anybody in this room to be a case study where I'm talking about them as a in a past tense sometimes of how it all went wrong uh, to, to the most tragic degree and that's where I think things like you know defamation cases and being wrongly named in sexual harassment cases well these are pretty devastating accusations to, to be you know confronted with uh, especially when they've come from a machine and they are right from the outset, untrue. Um, yeah. And I suppose, Barry, it's about thinking about how that filters down to the average Joe Soap on the street then. You know, we've got this example of this first defamation case in Australia, uh, this mayor um, who maybe has the means uh, to instruct a law firm to to act on his behalf, to to issue a letter uh, to uh, OpenAI in San Francisco. But, but, but how does the average you know, man and woman on the streets, uh, if they're falsely named in something like this, that could have a huge reputational issue uh, for that person in their communities, uh, in their place of work. So I think this is definitely going to be one that we're going to revisit again in relation to what's happening over the next couple of weeks. And we're, we're having great discussion here today in the chat. Uh, hello to Frederick. Uh, great conversation. Uh, interesting and listening uh, to thoughts and ideas. Um, somebody else has mentioned it's fantastic to see that Zoom are developing a real-time translation and voice syncing, presumably using LLM and AI, which is what you were talking about earlier on, Barry. So, so Zoom uh, moving into that space as well. Yeah, definitely. And everybody will be, of course, as they see it's coming on. And, and real-time translation is something I remember four or five years ago, uh, the, I can't remember which company brought them out, but they were ear pods that would in real time translate. So you'd have them in and there's somebody was talking to you in a different language. They were talking their language and it would real time translate in your ear. You would respond if they were also wearing these earpods and you could effectively talk to each other in, in your own language without having to know each other's. And so that's not a, a new idea, but as the technology moves further forwards that you can implement it so that again, on a zoom call, you could have multiple people from multiple different parts of the world all talking in their language and everybody hearing what they mean and that that's so important especially when you take them into sort of negotiations and whatnot that people aren't interpreting what you said the wrong way is no no, no I'm, I'm hearing it with the nuance of my language so i know that okay that was a joke 
that was what he meant. This is where we're going. And all of these things coming into it. So again, another massive benefit to the technology. So it's great, you know, that that, that person has, has highlighted that and it doesn't surprise me. And as you said, we're going to see it more and more, more companies looking at AI and how they can integrate it into what they're doing. But also as we go into this journey more and more, we're going to have a few more of these examples of it going wrong uh, whilst we, we we get through this beta phase, which is what it is. It's a beta phase of, of having it out there, getting the feedback. Microsoft were uh, and are, uh, you know, experts at doing this. When I worked for them way back when, you put stuff out into the market space and, and, and get people to diss it, <laughs> say, well, this is, why is that there? And why is this blue? And that's ridiculous. And this doesn't work. And you just collect all that data and then you do the, the actual launch and you fixed it all. And that's what's happening right now. This is the beta launch of, of, of AI and, and we're seeing the fallout of it. It just, as with everything in the digital space, sometimes the, the repercussions seem to be quite far reaching. And of course, there's the whole ethical side of all of this. There's the whole bias side of it. There's a whole wrath of stuff that we could be talking about today. But one other thing I just wanted to mention as well was I get a lot of students now approaching me in schools and saying, what do you think of ChatGPT? So it is very much becoming mainstream uh, in the sense that you know a lot of people now know about it, but it is about making sure that it's used responsibly, uh, making sure there are some parameters put about it, whatever those parameters look like. And I think we're only going to see those things um, over the next couple of months and beyond start to phase in as these cases start to pop up and these discussions start to happen. But staying on the topic of automation, Barry, I want to just talk about something else uh, before we sort of start to wrap up uh, this episode. Uh, And a big announcement this week uh, or last week by Elon Musk, to start charging developers for API access. Um, And I think somebody mentioned one of the tiers uh, in excess of $42,000 per month to use the Twitter API. Now, this is a really interesting uh, development because a lot of software as a service platforms, a lot of the scheduling tools that we use for social media marketing, all rely heavily on the APIs that these social media platforms use. Now, whenever people heard that Elon Musk was going to start charging for the blue tick, Mm -hmm. many people thought he was completely nuts. Like, that's a complete disgrace. The whole place was an uproar. Um, And I thought about it, you know, and I'm one of those people that do pay for that blue tick because it does provide me with some other features that are helpful whenever I'm using Twitter. But I've noticed now over the past couple of weeks, Facebook is now rolling out its verified blue tick to people to pay. And you're going to get things like priority support. So Musk was the individual who was the the leader of this particular charge. Now we start to see all of the social media platforms now going to offer this verification process where you can pay a monthly subscription. And actually, it's something that I think is quite useful because if you have a problem with Facebook, for example, and you need to speak to somebody, it's virtually impossible. Where if you're paying a monthly subscription, you're getting added features and benefits for using the platform. It's going to cut down on the level of spam or, or content that you don't want to see, but it's also going to give you priority support, that if something does happen, you actually have a means to be able to speak to an actual human being. So it's interesting to see a lot of different things happening in the social media space at the moment where 
these platforms, and as you and I know, they were never free because <laughs> we were paying through our personal information and our data are now starting to implement charges. Absolutely. And and that was interesting. I think the number that I saw was that because of Elon Musk leading the way with Twitter, Instagram made $660 million in a day selling blue ticks. And uh, and that's, that's monetization that they don't have because, again, they only have advertising. That's how all of these channels are making money. So it's interesting to see his, his approach to charging for access to the API. And I guess what? People will pay it. Uh, because they need it, and we we faced the same thing way back when. You know, when we were building uh, Rep Selfie, and we needed access to Facebook libraries, and then the whole Cambridge Analytica they shut down the libraries, and that killed it. And so, it is one of those scenarios where you can see, yeah, that there will be people paying forty two thousand dollars a month to access that tier of the the Twitter API, and the functionality that will come out of that will, I would imagine, be pretty impressive for whatever you know system it is that does that. Uh, but it also ties back into this thing that we mentioned before that in doing that, the one of the reasons they have to do that, especially on Facebook, so that you can actually talk to somebody, and this is where it links back to AI, is because there's not enough human beings that when there is a problem and I submit it to Facebook, there's not enough people to deal with all of the problems that are coming through. So now they're starting to tear it out. That will effectively divide it one way. And then what can happen is say, okay, well, at the base level, maybe AI can take care of the mass volume and then we have actual human beings as we go up the tier. And the more that you're willing to pay, the more likely you're going to speak to a human being. And uh, I can see that that would definitely be a, 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 monetary, a monetization model that all of the social media channels will follow, especially with all of the issues around cyberbullying, misuse, grooming, coercion, extortion that are happening. It, it's absolutely required. And I think what we will see as well, Barry, for those people who are listening into the podcast today who maybe use social media scheduling tools for their business, I know I use one, you use one. Yeah. I think what we're going to have to be prepared for is price increases yeah. um, because that has to be passed on to the end user. Like if you're if you're paying that amount of money out and the one that, that I use at the moment, I was actually uh, reading their blog just in the past week uh, and they were alluding to some potential uh, price increases coming down the line. So so it, 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 you know, they're going to have to pass that on in some shape or form. Uh, and these social media platforms in particular, whilst advertising was a huge revenue driver for them over the past couple of years and will continue to be a huge revenue driver for them, um, they're going to be looking for other ways to monetize. Yeah, they have to. And we've seen it already because everybody, uh, YouTube, hey, you could subscribe to the family plan. And guess what? That gets rid of advertising. You can subscribe to another. And it's get, it's they're effectively cannibalizing their own revenue stream by saying, if you pay this, then you don't have to see this. But we're making billions from advertising. You can pay $20 a month and you can get rid of all the advertising. And to the point that one of our listeners there has said about that subscription paywall basis for access through APIs is its upside. It may also drive innovative new apps out of the market. That is definitely what's going to happen so that we start to see this move forward. And maybe it is it's time because we've kind of had this lull of, of, of innovation, if you like. There's been some impressive moves forward, but it, it hasn't been this tidal wave of what we had seen maybe over the last couple five years. And so I think that it will, it will start to see this, um, these changes in, in what's going on. There will be increased pricing. And as you said, the realization of maybe the masses that social media, technology, scheduling tools, they're not free 
in any sense of the word. And now you're actively going to have to, to to pay. It will be interesting to see if they ever go down the route, the social media channels, I mean, of, of charging to have an account, which, you know, five, 10 years ago, there was all of those, oh, it's never going to happen, all of these fake scam messages going around. And now we come five years down the line, we think, hmm, I wonder, <laughs> maybe it is actually going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see. And you know, what what I suppose the, the the casualty of this ultimately are going to be the indie developers. You know, those little small startups, bootstrapping guy in his bedroom comes up with a great idea, needs access to those APIs in order to be able to um, you know roll out his project and, and sort of test the water. But I don't think it's completely going away. I think for hobbyists and sort of you know explorers, I think there's still going to be some sort of free tier available. But anybody out there who is certainly selling a product or service uh, that uses these APIs from these social media platforms is definitely going to be having to pay something uh, for use. Yeah, yeah. I think that this may be also another positive that it's going to make it harder, but it also means that potentially it's going to drive the quality up because those that go after it are going to need to go after it 100% because they're going to be paying from the outset to, to, to access that. So there, there may be an increase in, in the quality and less of the sort of scam apps and bots that are going out there because that's going to cost to put it out there in the first place. Which is going to be a great thing from a Twitter perspective and something that I've really struggled with. I have got jaded with Twitter over the past couple of years. And then I heard they were rolling out this blue tick and they were going to, you know, effectively they were going to improve the overall visibility of your tweets. And now you're starting to see Musk really shining a spotlight in on that, that if you have that verified account, if you've taken that ability to pay that subscription, then we as a platform need to make sure that your content is, is being seen because mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest frustrations with all of these platforms. You know, if you don't have big budgets, if you can't pay for visibility across the platforms, then, you know, you, your content may not be seen. So it's interesting to see Musk starting to prioritize those verified uh, accounts and the content that they're pushing. I suppose the challenge is going to be back to the bad actors again, because it's so easy to pay for a, a verified account. Now you're all ultimately going to have those uh, bad actors coming into play with that blue tick and, and then using it. So I think they do need to tighten up on how they approve and how they verify you or I or anybody else for that matter, making sure that we are who we say behind that account. And that wouldn't be overly hard for these social media platforms to do. No, no. And this is where they'll also leverage AI because then you bring in AI to make sure that, okay, yeah, he's paid for the blue tick or the verification. Now, what is he actually saying that we as a platform are putting out there in front of millions of people? Oh, no, actually that contribute, uh, contravenes the community guidelines. Even though he's paid, you can't do that. And so they rein it back in and AI will be able to pick that up far faster than a, you know, us as humans reporting it over and over again. And then a human entity getting to the point of addressing, oh, there's a 5 million of complaints about that particular one. Okay, we'll take it down. But that might be a two hour, five hour, 24 hour period where that message is still out there. People seeing it, taking it, interpreting it, spreading it. Uh, and, and then that bad actor thinks, yeah, job done. It only needs to be up for an hour and, and that's done what I needed it to do. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it's managed, which comes back to this whole idea of, 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 of stopping teaching the LLMs at this particular point in time until we have perhaps a bit more infrastructure in place to allow for it to do its thing and us to do our thing together. Yeah, I'm going to uh, 
hesitated guess here that it's Peter Doak commenting uh, today. Uh, and great, great points, Peter. I hope it is you because um, I'm, I'm guessing it is. I can't see your name popping up here for some reason. Um, but Peter has said, or whoever has said, indie developers could be accommodated through innovative licenses that are free until they reach the minimal viable product. Uh, Microsoft have been doing this for years. And absolutely, whenever we were doing Rep Selfie Bar, you will remember that we had those credits from Microsoft yeah. Azure, I believe it was at the yeah. time, in order to be able to get our infrastructure, you know, up on legs, uh, if you will, so that we could start to push it out there for people to start to use. And then when you hit a critical mass, then you were going to start paying for, yeah. for the service. Um, and, and AWS actually does a lot of that as well. It's actually Bill McCluggage. Bill, apologies. Uh, great, great uh, input today, Bill. And we're delighted to have Bill here. Of course, Bill knows us very well from those rep selfie days, Barry. Um, Indeed, so yeah. uh, some, some very good uh, insight uh, and input from Bill uh, today. And he's absolutely right. Um, you know, we, we do want to, we do want to encourage innovation. We don't want to stifle innovation and the technology companies I'm sure are really aware of that because if that indie developer becomes successful and launches the next big thing, then they're going to be off as well because they're going to be getting that infrastructure, um, you know, component of whatever the project is. Yeah, definitely. I just hope that they do follow suit in terms of the, the social companies and do adopt this approach. I'm sure that they will. But uh, what I do also see happening is that the, what what seems to be appearing is the gap is is widening. So, okay, if you want access, you've got to pay. But what about all of those people that cannot pay anything? And does the free tier offer enough for that level to get to the next tier? Or is it going to be designed to keep them in that tier because the next one is going to be unreachable? Again, just thinking out loud because I know that that's exactly what happened to the real estate market ages ago. You know, first-time buyers were priced out of the market because everyone else is coming in at the top saying, we'll take it all. Uh, I, I hope that that doesn't happen, but it does sort of click in my mind that maybe it could, especially as the likes of Elon Musk say, yeah, it's going to be 42 grand a month for access to this tier. Um, that, that's not a small amount of change for a lot of people. For the big companies, it is, but for a lot of those mid-indie-sized uh, organizations, that, that's a huge chunk to, to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully at some point we'll get Bill to join us on the podcast, Bill, yeah. uh, extending an invite to you at some point. Uh, it'd be great to get you on here to have a conversation. I know that you've got some fantastic insight uh, particularly on all things digital and innovation. And I know myself and Barry will be delighted uh, to have you on an upcoming episode of the podcast. But Barry, again, we're under 46 minutes. We could talk about this stuff all day. And it's been another fantastic episode today. And I'm delighted to be back talking about this, um, about the changes and the other side of AI uh, and just some of the things for people to be aware of. And I think that's important. It is about having a conversation. It is about being aware of some of those risks and those dangers, but looking for those best uh, use cases and those good examples of how platforms and tools like ChatGPT can ultimately be used for the greater good of all of us. Indeed, indeed. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, as always, and I'll let you wrap it up, Wayne. I think you were going to go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I was just going to say, as always, if there's something that you would like uh, myself or Barry to cover in an upcoming episode of the Digitized Diaries, please do reach out and get in touch. Uh, this is a safe space to come on and learn about digital transformation, to hear from some industry experts, but also to look at some of the 
the best practices and what's happening in the space at the moment. And also some of the news updates like we were talking about today when we were covering the other side of AI. So as always, we hope you have found this podcast enlightening, uh, useful and indeed helpful. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the replay, a huge hello to you as well. Uh, reviews and ratings are really important as we try to grow this podcast out. So if you do enjoy it, please do leave us a rating, uh, do leave us a review, and hopefully Barry will be back in the not-too-distant future with another episode of the Digitize Diaries. Thanks for listening into this episode of the Digitize Diaries with your hosts, Wayne and Barry. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and deep dive and today's learnings can help growth for you and your business. Don't forget to hit the subscribe so you get notified when the next episode is available. See you next time.